Friends, and welcome to Galsplained, the podcast where two best gals explain anything and everything to each other better than any man ever has. This week, we're diving into the radical history and polarizing opinions of turtlenecks Ugh. and shining light <laughs> on the question, what is light? Yeah, you could Google it, but isn't it more fun to learn it from a friend? I'm Michelle. I always forget to say my name. <laughs> and I'm Claire. Michelle. Week eight. Week eight, the great. Rounding out a second month of podcasting. How does it feel? Second month? I feel like we've been doing this for 20 years, and yet the years start coming and they don't stop coming. And they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> but it's really only been two months. But <laughs> well, we just have such a good routine down. I I started keeping a list in my phone of all potential topics. And I'll be talking to someone and I'll be like, hold that thought. And I'll open it up and be like, maybe I could talk about this on the podcast. But first, <laughs> Michelle, I know it's December. We're in that holiday season and... You know, next week, everyone, I'm going to be talking about some holiday movies, specifically holiday rom-coms. Um, but I did want to mention that the other night I watched a new Netflix Christmas musical called Jingle Jangle. Have you heard of it, Michelle? I literally have never heard of this. Well, uh, Keegan-Michael Key is in it. Ricky Martin is in it. Forrest Whitaker is in it. Uh, the voice of Tiana from Princess and the Frog is in it. Who is that? Annika Noni Rose. Oh, she's been in a lot of stuff, hasn't she? Yeah. And first of all, I really liked this movie. I'm not sure if it was supposed to be on Netflix originally or not, um, or if it was supposed to be out in theaters, but with COVID, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it was very fun. The music was really good. The spectacle was great. It was about a toy maker named Geronicus, and he played by Forrest Whitaker, who was like this master toy maker. And one day his book of inventions got stolen by Keegan-Michael Key, oh and now they're gosh. like rivals. And it was just about like love and light and happiness, and I really enjoyed it. The dancing was really good. Um... And it, it was just fun. It was a great spectacle. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's right up my alley with these uh, not even trashy Christmas movies. This sounds like it's a whole production, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> that, I had earlier in the day, I had watched My Perfect Christmas, which oh. was about a girl who just wanted to have the perfect Christmas. And she wanted the perfect guy, but her best friend was in love with her and blah, 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 blah. So this was definitely a lot better than that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I also personally watched uh, the classic, The Santa Claus. And I, I have a conspiracy theory about The Santa Claus, actually. Oh, I'm here for it. Which I feel like I should probably talk about. Because, I mean, this is right off the cuff, but I was watching it last night with my roommate, Libby. Um, and I have watched The Santa Claus every year. That's like my movie. I love it. it. It's about a guy who's, you know, living in corporate America. And, you know, he's had a divorce. He has a blended family, though. It's the 90s. It's nostalgic. There's bad CGI, reindeer. It's it's very heartwarming. Uh, I love it. The Santa Claus 2 is better than The Santa Claus 1. Um, I will be watching that this week. Um, but Agreed. Agreed on that. 
I just want to break it down for those of you who haven't watched the Santa Claus in a while or or have never seen it. But there's a part in the beginning where um, Tim Allen takes his son uh, to Denny's because he he burns the turkey or whatever. And, and it's all like the the single dads there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, the waitress that serves them their drinks and their food, her name is Judy. Now, do you remember when he gets to the North Pole and that elf that makes him chocolate? Do you remember her name? Judy. Judy. <gasps> now, they do comment on this later in the film that Judy gave them the the pajamas that they woke up in the next day. Then the the ex-wife, the mom, takes that as like something like, oh, you know, he slept with the the waitress and like gave them pajamas. It's like a joke. But here's what I think it is. I don't think it's a joke, Claire. I think that it was a dream this whole time. And this is a movie about a man who, you know, just wants to connect with his son and is going through all these things of like having a joint hallucination with his son. Because that's a thing you can do. You can have a joint hallucination with someone. How do you explain a Santa Claus 2 or the weight gain or the white beard? Okay, first of all, this is this the Santa Claus is its own movie in itself. The Santa Claus 2 <laughs> is a fan fiction on the Santa Claus 1. Oh my god. The Santa Claus in itself with the weight gain and the white beard, I mean that's just stress. So he gained like 80 pounds in a week because of stress? That was not a week. That's within a year. It was a year? Yeah, because it was Christmas to Christmas. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I think. And you may call me a Neil for this. Neil's the name of the psychiatrist stepfather who is trying to take away custody from Tim Allen's character. But I listen, why were both of those people named Judy? You don't just do that in a movie. Well, maybe it was like symbolic of Judy always being a helper, a server, like, St. Jude. Ooh. Maybe it was a religious thing then if it was St. Jude. Yeah, St. Jude is the patron saint of like hopeless causes, isn't it? Well, maybe it could go both ways still in my mind. It could be a hallucination because he thinks Jude, the saint, is helping him. (laughs) Or it could just be more Christmassy that Jude, the spirit of Judy, helps them. Oh. Oh my gosh. Well, Michelle... This was a hot take, and I appreciate your hot takes. Thank you. I got to sit on this. I think I'm going to have to do some research and watch the movie. Yes, absolutely. Watch the movie. And I'll watch uh, The Santa Claus 2 this week and get back to you if there's anything more adding to my theory. Yes, and Jingle Jangle. And Jingle Jangle. <laughs> yes, it's a stupid name, but it's cute as can be. Yes, well, uh, speaking of things to warm up our winter week uh tell me a bit about turtlenecks oh queen of segues (laughs) thank you thank you i'm bowing i'm bowing well michelle we're gonna talk about turtlenecks for the next little bit it's the holiday season so we've been trying to think of holiday related topics also every time i get into talking about my topic i feel like i'm just like so here we go and i get like start using my hands a lot using these weird voices You're getting yourself so. excited yeah <laughs> all right it's the holiday season we've been talking about holiday related things holiday items 
And I've been thinking a lot for topics about things that only come out at this time of year. And I was brainstorming. I was like, what am I going to do? I don't know. And I was wearing a turtleneck. I started thinking, where do turtlenecks come from? Why in the heck are they called turtlenecks? And why did I have such an aversion to them as a child? Me too. I hated them. Yeah. So after a quick Google search, I came across an article called The Radical History and Psychology of Turtlenecks. And I I knew, I knew I had to dive into this, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. So let me, let me ask you, what is your experience and likeness of turtlenecks over time? Um, I don't think I truly started liking turtlenecks until my mom forced me to get turtlenecks for when I was studying abroad in Wales because she was like, you will die in the UK if you don't have a turtleneck. Yeah. And I remember coming back from Wales and being like, I didn't use my turtlenecks at all. And then I threw them to Goodwill. And I've regretted that every day since because those are some nice. I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening. I'm so sorry. Those are some (laughs) nice black turtlenecks. But like I still even in college, like really was like not using them much because they just make you hot and sweaty. And like when I was younger, I didn't like it because it was itchy on my neck. But like sometimes turtlenecks, it's just too much sweat. But oh, my gosh, they are slimming and they are cute. And I wish I had more. Yeah. I have a theory that our parents in the 2000s, and there's a reason I'll get into it why nobody liked turtlenecks in the 2000s. Um, But I I think like maybe fabric, the fabric that they used to buy our kids clothes was cheap, which made it itchy, Mm. like, and uncomfortable. I know I have a turtleneck on right now, just... Yes, she does. And it's very, it's very comfy. And I, I have quite a few... Some of my turtleneck sweaters can get itchy on my neck, but like my actual turtleneck just shirts, cotton shirts, they're great. I don't have an issue with them. So let me tell you my experience. Definitely hated them as a kid. I feel like every kid of the 90s, 2000s, like late 90s, early 2000s hated them for whatever reason. Um, My mom used to tell us for Christmas, like one thing only don't get me a turtleneck. I won't wear a turtleneck because one year, I guess we went out with my dad, my sister and I, when we were kids and picked out like five turtlenecks for her from the gap. She was like, why would I wear these? Don't do that. So it's been our running joke. Don't get me a turtleneck for Christmas. (laughs) But as I've gotten older, I've gotten colder and the functionality of a turtleneck is unreal. Right. They give you this like Steve Jobs like quality where you look really cool and intellectual. They're slimming. They're stylish. They're modest. And I think a few weeks ago, I don't know if you're watching this season of The Bachelorette, on the first episode where Tasha took over as The Bachelorette and mm-hmm. she brought Brendan. Was it Brendan or Brennan? Uh, I don't remember. Whatever his name is. <laughs> on it, she first met him. He had on a turtleneck and a blazer. Mm hmm. That's a cute and, combo. Right. And he was like, I'm just this weirdo in a turtleneck. Like, Mer. he said something like that. And she was like, no, I think you look so good. So I think it's coming around to even mainstream now. But going back to this article, this article uh, was by Audrey Stanton on The Good Trade called The Radical History and Psychology of Turtlenecks. Big quote that stood out to me is turtlenecks have been symbols of strength rebellion, style, and modesty throughout history. Do you want to know why? 
Oh, what? That's a very surprising sentence from something that's very conservative in the way it covers you up. Right, right. So let me let me start from where they came from. Back in the 19th century, turtlenecks were worn by the working class due to their practicality. So like the Navy, fishermen, working men. And it wasn't until 1860 when they really took off into the mainstream because they became a part of polo uniforms. Polo? Polo, like the sport with the horses and the... Oh, right, right, right. And they actually took their original name then, the polo neck. Mm -hmm. So they weren't called turtlenecks yet. So they were really in men's fashion then, uh, back in 1860, and they started coming out more and more, but it wasn't until between 1890 and 1920 that the turtleneck took over into women's fashion as being part of this ideal look for that time that they called the Gibson girl. This was like a woman of the era. I think about it how we would think about a Visco girl now. It was like a a symbolism of like a new era of women. Obviously, it was a lot more turn of the century than a Visco girl. But this new woman, the Gibson girl, represented women as independent and well-educated, poised. They took more of a visible and active role in the public arena and the Gibson girl represented this phenomenon, this beautiful, active, independent woman. And oh. she wore a turtleneck. Ooh, do you think we would be Gibson girls? Heck yeah, I think we would. <laughs> Amelia Earhart, this made me think of her. She yeah. was totally a Gibson girl. Oh my gosh, our own Amelia Earhart. <laughs> yes. So between the 20s and the 50s, the turtleneck stayed totally consistent, but it represented a more seductive style like it slowly turned from that independent gibson girl to like more of a seductive way it wasn't until the 1950s when audrey hepburn wore a turtleneck in her movie Mm -hmm. funny face and she actually remarked that she thought the turtleneck communicated that she was different interesting well i guess even now that rings true like hipsters like wearing turtlenecks that's so weird and it's because of this history which i think is so interesting so after funny face the turtleneck was associated with radical academics philosophers artists poets intellectuals playwrights a lot of playwrights in this time were and and artists and philosophers were like the pictures of them that were on the back of their you know articles or whatever were them in turtlenecks which i think is so interesting oh my gosh that's so fun it's so weird to me though how something as simple as being a shirt that goes a little higher to your neck which sounds like a conservative mood uh would be actually a very radicalized move yeah i think so too and actually in the 70s it grew into being anti-mainstream the turtleneck was worn by a ton of prominent feminists and members of the black panthers because it said it, it like communicated we are uniform but we are unique i thought that was super cool because <laughs> It puts all this power behind like one garment of clothing. And it also kind of takes back like this isn't like a modest, while it is modest, it's really practical. And this isn't a fashion just like representing like 
ultra conservatism modestness i don't feel like yeah i don't feel like we think of it in the same way now anymore yeah for sure and i think it's because of audrey hepburn in the 50s wearing it and associating it with those philosophers those artists those intellectuals like it we don't really look at it i don't think as a conservative style anymore it's Mm -hmm. just like hip again yeah so in the 80s turtlenecks became totally uncool everyone was showing a lot more skin bright colors and like turtlenecks were not popular and it wasn't until the 90s when actually gap which i think everyone thinks about gap when they think of turtlenecks like staple items (laughs) and old navy Right, right. Gap released a campaign that kind of catapulted turtlenecks into what they are today. And we have infamous pictures from the 90s, like the one of Dwayne the Rock Johnson <gasps> yes. in a turtleneck with a fanny pack from this time. Like, and the that gold was chain. The 90s. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was the 90s. And that was like what really brought all these hip-hop artists, all these celebrities started wearing turtlenecks and media was spreading it around and Gap was like, heck yeah, it's working. (laughs) So in the 2000s, they kind of became uncool again. Um, But it wasn't until like now in the past few years where 90s fashion has really come back that turtlenecks have made their full revival. And why is that, you think? I have no idea. I did a lot of research on trying to figure out like why 90s fashion has come back the last few years. And everything basically says there's about a 20 year mark on fashion. And like every 20 years, styles will come back around. Oh, I and really I hope- don't want the 2000s to come back, though. I was just gonna say that. I hope that's not true because I do not want low rise flare jeans. Yeah, that was not a cute time. (laughs) The layering, the skinny scarves. But what I thought was really interesting um, from this article that I got a lot of my information from was they talked a lot about conscious fashion, which they describe as understanding where our clothes physically come from. Um, and, And not only that, but also understanding how our clothes have traveled through time to land in our closets today. And The thing that really stuck out to me is the author of this article wrote, things happen by chance, but fashion is not one of them. So our turtlenecks are in our closets these days for a reason. Hmm, Absolutely. I guess I think there's so many cool things with clothes that it's like we don't often think about how it evolved to get here. But it's it seems so like normal in everyday life. But I think about this sometimes with like bras, for instance, like Bras were so different a hundred years ago, and they didn't really evolve to be the best they could be. They evolved because they evolved from what they came from. Like, it's so weird to think about all these things in that kind of way. I, I totally agree with you, though. I think it's so cool how much history goes into one item to land in our closets today. And I haven't done a deep dive into fashion before. I just like turtlenecks. And they give me a lot of comfort. I think that they do definitely still represent independence, artisticness, um, but also function. They're they're the perfect piece that mixes function and fashion. And I think it's so cool that I'm wearing something that has a lot of like radical history. Mm-hmm. I love that. Apparently, they're still called polo necks in the UK. Oh, really? That is what the internet said. If you are listening from the UK and you're like, what the heck, Claire, please send us a DM. 
Um, and I'll correct myself <laughs> next week. But everything I read said in the UK, they're called polo necks. In Australia, they're called skivvies. Skivvies? skivvies? Why are they called skivvies? I have no idea. And turtleneck uh, <laughs> came from obviously your head poking out of your collar looks like a turtle's head coming out of its yeah. shell a turtleneck and they're like bunched over and like folded like a turtle's neck is so before we move into the recess i did want to rapid fire a few frequently asked google questions about turtlenecks all right so i typed in turtlenecks and this is under the people also ask section on Google. Mm-hmm. So what are short turtlenecks called? Do you know what they're called, Michelle? A uh, tadpole neck. <laughs> That's a better name. Let's get it started. Let's spread that out there. <laughs> they're called mock necks. Oh. And they usually end about halfway up the neck. They never reach the ears. <gasps> Do turtlenecks reach the ears? I, I have no idea. The question, are turtlenecks in style 2020? I don't know. Are they, Claire? What's, <laughs> what's your opinion? Are they in style, Claire? Well, the internet says, we're seeing turtlenecks peeking out of flannel shirts, sweaters, and coveralls. So, yes. Yeah. I think so. I think absolutely. I would love to wear a turtleneck with some overalls, actually. That sounds cute. Yeah, it sounds very 90s, cute as heck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, two more questions. Are turtlenecks attractive? <laughs> yes. This comes from an article called Why Turtlenecks Are a Great First Date Outfit. Turtlenecks are the best date top because you can go straight from work to dinner to drinks. They make you look more put together and they're universally flattering. Yes, they are. I don't know one person who looks bad in a turtleneck. That's true. It's only just bad when you get sweaty in it, though. I will stick by that. That's the one bad thing about turtlenecks. It keeps everything in. Yeah, I think that's if they're like super thick, though. I like a thin turtleneck that I can layer just for that look. Well, Michelle, do you feel like you have more respect for the turtleneck now? I I feel like I do. Like I said, I have a tumultuous history with turtlenecks and I do like them now and I wish I had more of them. Yes. All right. Well, this was just I bought stock in turtlenecks and <gasps> this was just okay. my ploy. No, I'm That's kidding. That's what this was. You bought stock in turtlenecks and you're trying to sell us all. I wish. <laughs> this is a no solicitation podcast, Claire. All right, Michelle. I think it's time to never say the word turtleneck again. And have recess. Welcome back to recess. Friends, our favorite time of the school day. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you always say it's a favorite time of the school day. But you know what's the greatest thing about school is you learn all day, even during recess. And today we learned something new about each and every one of our listeners. Because you replied to our Instagram about I forget what was it about? <laughs> <laughs> um, we asked a question on Instagram, uh, based on the 36 questions that lead to love from last week. Oh. And our question was, Given the choice of anyone in the world, who would you want to share hot cocoa and cookies with? Now, I did change it from dinner to hot cocoa and cookies. <laughs> Little seasonal alteration. 
It has to be done. So my favorite answer right off the bat from Boone and her goons, she said, Saoirse Ronan and Zendaya, 100%. I love the confidence there. Yeah. Yeah, she knew what she wanted. Also, high agree, high agreement. I also got a DM, a few DMs about it, and one that stuck out to me. I'm going to keep it anonymous because I said DMs were going to be anonymous. We like to respect you, our listeners. Mm -hmm. They said, alive, Kate McKinnon, dead, Mary Queen of Scots. Ooh, (gasps) that's a really good answer. Wow. 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 I also got a DM that just said the letter U. Aw, that's so I have a cute. Secret admirer. Wow, but not so secret. <laughs> only, <laughs> only to all of you. Now we also we're a big fan of polls and things like that on our Instagram. And Michelle, what else did we talk about last week? We talked about the lovely Amelia Earhart and the conspiracy theories surrounding her. Yes, and I created on our Instagram a little side-by-side picture of Amelia Earhart and who those think could be Amelia Earhart, Irene Bolam. So got quite a few messages. He really? Tell tell me more. Yeah, I did and we did about people being like, what? I've never heard of this before. They look so much alike. They sure do. But, you know, I, I actually realized, didn't you tell me that you believe this theory more since we last talked? I did a lot of research into it, right? And just because it's so fascinating. And I learned more about Irene Bolam. She wasn't just like a banker lady. She was a pilot. She knew Amelia Earhart. And she decided to not be a pilot anymore. And then there are all these theories about people like not seeing her in the same room as Amelia Earhart and people like not knowing her name at the same time as they knew Amelia Earhart. But apparently she claims, oh, yeah, I knew her. We were friendly. Oh. But I decided not to be a pilot. Mm. I see. Huh. Interesting coincidences. Well, our audience did not agree because in the poll that we took, uh, most people said that they thought she was deserted on an island. Yeah, I I do believe that theory the most, unfortunately. I love that. And I did ask one more question because I couldn't help myself on our Instagram. (laughs) I love it. And it's more in anticipation for next week's topic (laughs) where I'll be talking about... um, different holiday rom-coms and different holiday movies but which movie is better elf or grinch can have you looked at the results or can you guess the results i have not looked at the results but i did vote in it i have to say so maybe i swung it one way or the other but i i did say grinch well we had 79 percent elf 21 percent grinch you fall in the minority michelle wait i think when i voted it was leaning towards grinch at the time so that's surprising to me yeah we have an overwhelming amount of votes for elf which is funny because i watched that um how movies made us documentary on netflix for elf and i didn't realize they were trying to make a classic when they made elf but they really were and it's held up for How long? Like 18 years now. I mean, Elf is really good. I think I just like, and we're talking about live action Grinch, right? I figured because we're talking about live action Elf 
Sure. I think just like the story of the Grinch in general is what people were thinking. It's interesting because like I feel like they're exact opposite storylines. I've never thought about it this way, but like Elf truly is like Will Ferrell is the anti-Grinch and he's going to make a Grinchful world more Christmassy, whereas the Grinch is in a Christmassy world and he's made more Christmassy. They're literal opposite movies. You're a genius. Everyone come back next week for more hot takes like this from (laughs) Michelle. All right. Well, I think that's enough of uh, Christmas movie stuff this week. We have to get back to our lessons. Woohoo! <laughs> Woo! So we're back from recess. Here we are. But don't you worry, Claire. We are going from recess to holiday because this week, if you are listening to this on the week that this came out, is Hanukkah. Um, Happy Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Yes. Thank you. Um, And if you don't know, Hanukkah is the festival of lights. Uh, We're celebrating that the candle is burning for eight days straight. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, we're celebrating light. We're always celebrating light. And we're not like actually celebrating how we have the miracle of light. And yeah, sure. If you're somebody who celebrates Hanukkah, like God gave us that light. Sure. But like, technically speaking, what is light? That is the most Michelle question I've ever heard. This just, you can't just enjoy something, Michelle. I love that you always have to learn about it. I mean, that's why this podcast functions. Yeah, because you always want to dive deeper. I love it. (laughs) Also, also, what do you mean? I am enjoying it by finding out what it is. (laughs) What is your point here? (laughs) I should say that's how you enjoy it. Some people enjoy it just by like blindly walking through life, but you. You need to shine a light on what's uh, what's going on, scientifically speaking. Yeah, you know, I just have to bring light to this subject. Oh, you know what I mean? And also, to be fair to myself, when I Googled what is light, I expected to get results that came up like, well, light comes from light bulbs. And we're going to talk about Thomas Edison versus Tesla because, you know, that's a whole f-ing thing. Right. Um, I did not come across those names once. Um, Instead, what I came across was electromagnetic radiation and uh, wavelengths and uh, alpha decay. I just literally glanced at my notes and saw the words alpha decay. You love science and every week you push me into reliving the worst class of high school every year for me. Hopefully, you know what? We're going to recreate it with some good memories. Good memories. I feel good about it. Good memories. Also... I gotta say, I don't want to. I don't want to intimidate any of our listeners because I too, my worst class was probably science class. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I am a huge English language arts history buff, but I find I'm like this podcast tells us I'm a lifelong learner. So you know, I just feel like science is so interesting to me, and I feel like I got into this because space is interesting to me, and I think okay. that all of this stuff, what is light kind of goes into the bigger picture of space. Because I think the really cool thing that I found about light, like going deeper and deeper into this, is that light shows us like who we are in the universe. And like it helps us explore the universe. Because without light, we could not perceive anything in this universe. Which is really meta and big brain, but that's kind of wild, right? Yeah, some of this stuff 
I was at the beach over the summer with Jeff looking out at the stars and he I, I'm fascinated by space and light as well. But he was trying to explain some stuff to me and I was just so confused and it was all going over my head and he would ask me a question and like my computing time was down. So instead of like, you know, you get asked a question and you answer it back right away. Mm -hmm. Mine was down to like a full minute that I would sit there and be like, oh, yeah. uh." (laughs) You could almost say that the wavelengths in your brain were a lot longer. Mm. Did I did I do it? Is that a light joke? I think. It might be. I might have made a light (laughs) joke. Well, I can relate to this because I actually, I really like this one YouTube channel called Kurzgesagt. Kurzgesagt. It's really hard to pronounce. But one of the top results that came up was actually from their channel. I was like, oh, I love them. They always explain these science-y things in a really fun way. I clicked on their video and it was really fun. Great stuff. But uh, I did not understand a single thing they said. I was like, huh? Like they were just they were just moving past photons, energy being emitted. Let me just read to you one of the notes I took while watching this video. Oh, God. My first note says, kind of like the brain. This is going to be confused. (laughs) Another note says, wavelengths can be really bigs. (laughs) I don't know why I was typing my notes like I was drunk. (laughs) See, this is why I need you to explain stuff to me because you make it fun and you make it like you bring it down to layman's terms and I could not have watched that video my brain would have exploded (laughs) my brain did explode so I then had to research like through NASA and like a ton of other different websites like okay break it down for me in a way that I can make this an easy way to interpret Mm-hmm. All right. So um, now that we got a lot of disclosures out there and a lot of basically the background of how I figured out this script, um, I'm crying right now from those notes. <laughs> um, uh, let, what is light? Um, so light is a form of electromagnetic radiation, which can be seen by the human eye. It's emitted in tiny energy blasts called photons. These photons move at the speed of light, which is about 300,000 kilometers per second when moving through a vacuum. All right. So photons are these little energy blasts moving from atom to atom at the speed of light. And it's a form of electromagnetic radiation. So what is electromagnetic radiation? Because I just kept seeing those words in my notes and I was like, that's a word that they're assuming that I know. (laughs) And so I had to look that up by myself again. So I assume if you're Googling what is light, you're like a scientist. <laughs> but I'm not a scientist. Us, they don't want us normal people to know. What are Be they hiding? Well, let's find out. So first of all, radiation is energy that travels and spreads as it goes. That came from NASA. NASA said that. Um, <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. He said that. So like he said that. He said that to me. <laughs> I just want to I just want to give the credit where credit's due. I have works cited. Um, If anyone ever wants my works cited posted, I always have a works cited for everything I research um, that if I am asked, I will give it out. Um, But I this I don't want to be accused of plagiarism, you know, Um, I feel you. Also, this radiation travels in both electric and magnetic fields at different wavelengths 
frequencies and amplitudes. So we hear a lot about like radiation in a lot of like dangerous ways and like normal ways. Like we'll get into it, but you know, your microwave lets out radiation, but that's a lot different from like the radiation that say a nuclear bomb gives out, you know? So I don't know. I think like I thought before this that radiation was like this really scary thing, but I mean, it's in our everyday life, I guess. (laughs) which is kind of weird just at different levels yeah so i feel like to understand what light is we have to understand what this radiation is and this electromagnetic radiation because light is electromagnetic radiation um and there's many different types based off like what the wavelengths of wavelength of the radiation electromagnetic radiation is so the smallest wavelengths are for gamma rays, which come from nuclear reactions such as fusion, fission, alpha decay, and gamma decay. We're not going to get into what any of that is because it does not matter to find out what light is, but that's what gamma rays are. They're usually used to treat cancerous tumors in the body by damaging the DNA of the tumor cells, but obviously this is a dangerous procedure because you can easily damage the healthy tissue. Right. Yeah, but that's what gamma rays are known for. And there you have the smallest little wavelengths. Next up, uh, with a little bit bigger of a wavelength, is ultraviolet light. Um, So we cannot see ultraviolet light, obviously. We are not to the visible light yet. Ultraviolet light can be seen by bees. Huh. So that's why bees don't get sunburnt. They avoid that UV light. Oh. I made that up. I don't think... I don't, I don't think they could get sunburned anyways. Yeah, they don't have skin. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I believed you for a second. That's how little I know about all this. You know what? I don't think about that much, though. Like, do animals other than humans get sunburned? That's something to think about. They all have fur or hair. Yeah, but, like, we're the only species that thinks about it, obviously. Like, I never think, oh, no, my dog's getting sunburned. Right. We were made, I think about this all the time, like, we were made, not inferior, but as babies, we cannot take care of ourselves (laughs) at all. Like, we require 100% help. And, like, a puppy can walk, can feed itself, can, you know, go do everything. Like, Yeah, yeah. I agree. I I think we should save this topic for a conversation on the evolution of man. That's a different episode. I would love to do that one day. Um, But ultraviolet light exists within 100 to 400 nanometers in wavelength. um, And it's divided up into like three different categories. But then the UVA light is itself, which is its own category, has like three more categories. So we won't get into them. Um, But they're all basically divided up between how long the wavelength is. Only 280 to 400 nanometers in length, though, can actually reach Earth's surface from the sun. I mean, of course, we produce now ultraviolet light on Earth ourselves. So like just like we produce gamma rays, the ones that we get from the sun is UVB light, which is only 10 percent of the time from the sun and UVA light, which is 90 percent of the time. When I'm when I'm at the beach with my cousins, we like to say that we're going to check the ooves for the day. Which is just checking the UV index, but we call it checking the ooves. <laughs> and we the check ooves the ooves. or the oof B? Oh, I have no idea. It's the just oob. whatever the weather app uh, shows us <laughs> about the ooves. And we check it and it determines how much sunscreen we put on. If the ooves are too high, I'm going to be in the shade all day. But if those ooves are low enough, ooh, catch me out crispin'. 
You know, you really should check the ooves more often. I don't check the ooves very much when I go sun tanning. I just kind of go out there and hope for the best. Yeah, it's so important to check the ooves. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Very dangerous if you don't. But next, we're going into a little less dangerous light. And this is the light that we Googled about in the first place. This is visible light, what we see. Um, so we see... Are you seeing it right now? Yeah, I was looking around if you could hear me moving. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we see basically over 400 nanometers of wavelength. Basically, this visible light is this little medium category that we have. And I just want to explain a bit of like what visible light is and how the colors work. Um, so a photon will give off the same color if it has the same energy and wavelength. But the more photons emitted, the higher the amplitude or height of the waves. This higher quantity makes the light more intense. So I really like this example that um, Europa Public Health used. Basically, the difference between a red stoplight and a bright red stage light is that the amplitude is bigger for the stage lights, meaning there's a higher amount of quantity, I think, of the photons there. And they were higher am- amplitude. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it also like makes sense too, because like for instance, when I edit the podcast, like the louder wank- wavelengths are are bigger, whereas the softer noises are softer little wavelengths or smaller wavelengths. I mean, so sound and sight wavelengths you're saying are similar? They're similar in the way of like, yeah, the more intense the sound, the more intense the light, the higher the amplitude, the higher. The, the longer it looks in height, I guess. <laughs> that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So also, as objects change temperature, they also change color. This is because the hotter an object is, the more the shorter wavelengths become dominant. So for instance, Roy G. Biv, our good old friend Roy G. Biv. Oh, Roy, um, you talk to him too. Yeah, my best friend Roy. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Roy's name spells out to... Uh, oh. My other best friend. Don't look so disappointed, Claire. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, though, Roy's name uh, is the acronym for red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And that's also the spectrum of visible light. And it goes in order from red being the longest wavelength to violet being the short- shortest wavelength. In that sense, super hot stars are blue, right? Because the hotter a thing is, the shorter the wavelength is. And cool the coolest stars are red, like red giants. Does okay. that make sense? Because red has the longest wavelengths. Yeah. But I thought, okay, I can logically understand that, right? Longer means colder, shorter means hotter. But in my mind, Claire, when I think cold... I don't think the color red. I think the color blue. Because of, like, winter. But also that's a cool-toned color, right? Sure. But what what does cool-toned even mean? Oh, I don't know. It's just something we say. So I thought to myself, everything I know is that cold means blue. Um, For instance, the sky is blue, which you always think is cool. Unless it has the sun in it, which is yellow. But even that's supposedly colder than blue. That comes before in the order. Blue and purple supposed to be the hottest colors in indigo. Um, the ice and water is supposed to be cool. Those are blue. So I had to, again, be like, okay, these 
these sites don't understand me, Claire. I have to Google this more. <laughs> so I looked it up again. So the sky is blue because of a phenomenon called Rayleigh scattering. So the light from the sun is scattering particles smaller than the wavelength of the radiation. So it's making the sky blue by scattering scattering it with particles smaller of, than the wavelength of the radiation, which obviously smaller wavelengths mean blue. But water and ice doesn't work like that. Water and ice is blue because water molecules absorb the red part of the spectrum. Ice appears blue because it is blue. Huh. I also don't totally understand even after reading that. Um, so I understand. Um, I think basically it's that the water molecules themselves, like hydrogen, something in that. Because, you know, chemicals change colors all the time because of the the way they are made up, I think, and the way that those particles interact with the light and those atoms interact with the light. So I think the way those atoms interact with the light changes the colors of them. So something about hydrogen and oxygen being bonded makes it blue. Huh. I always think when I get too deep into colors about like that conversation that I think everyone has in middle school or high school art class where they're like, what if we all name we all see different colors but we like name them the same things like your green is my red Ugh, i can't even i can't even think like that sometimes it explodes my mind too much i know and then if we really wanted to get into it we could talk start talking about like colorblind people and like how that changes people's eyes and like why eyes perceive them in different ways already and that's not even talking about like Okay, in a more abstract way, like that your brain is computing it differently. Yeah, it's it gets into a lot. So we're not getting into that. But my other question to all this is, okay, so if super hot stars are blue and super cold stars are red, why do we only see like white, red, and blue stars? Like I never see a green star. I never right. see a purple star. I googled purple stars. They were all like fictional paintings. Right. Um, and sure enough, there was an answer for that. We love Google, but we also love Gal Splained because we break down all the parts, right? Um, so uh, the reason is that green is in the middle of the spectrum, right? Roy, middle name G, Biv. G, green is in the middle of the visible light spectrum and that means it is emitting light in all the possible colors and therefore the way we perceive it ends up just being white interesting yeah so it's all about the way we perceive it not what color it actually is like it's actually green but we're perceiving it as white right because it's also not just green right because for instance, when we see the color white, we see it through the spectrum. You're not seeing like a color that is white. You're seeing all the colors together. That's what the color white is. Okay. So with green, when it's emitting green through temperature, it's in the center. So it's emitting all the possible colors already. So we are perceiving white. Color's crazy. Wild. Color, light, Hanukkah. <laughs> Festival of lights. And then connects. for purple, <laughs> purple's at the very end of the spectrum, right next to blue and indigo, which is, in my opinion, essentially a dark blue. Okay. Um, um, and the reason we don't see purple stars is because our eyes are super sensitive to blue light 
as humans. And purple, since it's at the end of our spectrum that we can see, the star that emits purple light will also be emitting blue light. So we will only pick up on the blue light that it sends out wow. as humans. So our eyes are really sensitive to blue light. Is that the same thing as like why why there's a big craze to have blue light glasses now? Like blue light glasses? Like uh, the filters? Yeah. Yeah, that, that probably has something to do with like toning it down because yeah. of all the the yellow light coming through because I don't know. I don't know exactly how those glasses work, That, but that makes sense. All right. So that's the light we can see, but there's even longer wavelengths than the light we see. And this is where we get into some astronomy. Um, so longer wavelengths go into infrared rays, then to microwave rays, and then to radio wa- waves or rays. I don't know. I said waves. And that's not the word. Um, <laughs> so infrared rays is when you see a fire, you're seeing the visible light that the amount of heat there gives off, right? That's a visible light thing that you can see. Mm-hmm. But like, we give off heat, animals give off heat, but you can't see the heat that you give off. Like, you're not changing color to me right now based on the fact that you're 97.6 degrees Fahrenheit because That's you're not as hot as a fire. Am I, Michelle? Oh, shoot. <laughs> Babe, are you emitting infrared rays or are you emitting visible light? Because you look on fire right now. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> you pick up lines. And the next is microwave radiation. And, and microwave radiation, you know microwaves. You have one in your house. I I bet if you don't, I don't know how you survive. Um, <laughs> I do know some people um, who don't have a microwave, and I'm just like, whoa, that's. Can you wild imagine to me. turning on the stove every time you wanted to heat something up, or putting it in the oven? Oh, hot! That's hot, but that's hot in a red way, not in a blue way. <laughs> Inside jokes only. <laughs> um, but. Microwave radiation is not only used in quick cooking, but also in astronomy to suss out nearby galaxies. Ooh. It like can find these big structures in the universe. And it's also how we forecast weather using radars. That's microwave radiation. Those big Doppler things, that's microwave. Oh my gosh. I love looking at the Doppler. Mm-hmm. I look at the ooves. <laughs> I look at the Doppler. The ooves, I, the dops. I count on Chris if you're local to North Carolina. So that's what microwave radiation is. And then finally, the longest of all the waves, radio waves. So radio waves is not only what you can find us surfing on this year. Just kidding. We're not on radio waves. We're streaming. (laughs) And radio waves don't only help us uh, to, you know, listen to the radio, but they also help us to see parts of our universe that through visible light would be blocked by things um, like space dust and gas. So radio waves is like really hard to understand. I don't know. I had a really hard time understanding it. But basically it can travel through structures a lot easier than like a lot of the other ones can because the waves lengths are so long. The wavelengths are so long that like I guess it's able to travel through easier, which is why like, you know, radio can obviously travel through walls, but like light can't. Yeah. So radio waves are cool. Uh, it's a big sciencey thing that I didn't want to delve into deeply because – we're talking about visible light, not non-visible light. Uh, but it seems like a really cool thing. All that said, that's light. Did you feel like you learned anything today with light? 
did you follow enough? <laughs> I learned a lot. I feel like it's one of those things that somebody's going to say something or I'm going to see something on TV like a few weeks from now. And now that I have these terms floating around in my brain, I'm going to be like, hey, I know that. <laughs> yeah. I I just feel like we we talk about light so much. I mean, light is literally our everyday life. Anyways, what's what's your favorite color on the visible color spectrum, Claire? I don't even know if I can answer this. It's so hard for me. Different colors make me feel different things. I like many different colors. I think they serve many different purposes. Um, for a long time, it was red. Then it was pink. And now I think it's yellow. I stay in that... That kind cold. of area. Oh, I think of them as warm, but well, you now they're cold. That. I know. <laughs> what about you? I actually am the opposite. I feel like I usually stay in the very cool zone. Well, warm zone. Oh no. Yeah, my favorite color has always been like a lavender, like a purple, a violet. But I do love red too. So I think like my thing is I love the extremes: super hot, right. super cold. I think that's cool. I. I've recently gotten into purple too. I think different colors, just like just like everything else that I often talk about on this podcast, I think they serve us in different ways and they can affect our mood. And now I know how we perceive them. And now I have the science to back it up when I say I need to paint this room or change this or do that because the light is off. Colors oh. are off. Oh, you're right. Well, I want to know from our audience what they think about all this, if they learned anything or you know what? You know what I think, Claire? I think that they should go to at Pod on Instagram and Twitter to tell us. Yeah, I want to I want to hear from them. How do you feel about turtlenecks and what's your favorite color? Yeah, tell us. Subscribe, rate and review. And we will see you next time. Yes, special shout out for those of you that review on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yes, we appreciate it so much. See you next week. Bye. Bye.